Hello, my name is Dr. Paul Wheatley-Price, a medical oncologist and president of Lung Cancer Canada. Welcome to our podcast series called Lung Cancer Voices. In this series of podcasts, I'm interviewing patients, caregivers, healthcare professionals, some of the leading lung cancer researchers in the country, indeed in the world, to highlight important and relevant issues facing those affected by lung cancer. Welcome to this edition of Lung Cancer Voices, and I'm joined from Alberta by Terry and Joyce Mori, who are going to share with me their story over the last number of years, which um, I'm you're about to hear about is a story of uh, success and and hope and uh, achievement uh, in someone facing lung cancer. Uh, so Terry and Joyce, um, welcome to the Lung Cancer Voices podcast. How are you? And um, maybe introduce yourselves to us, please. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Paul, for uh, the, uh, the the basic introduction and uh, uh, my name is Terry Mori, and I'm 74 years of age, feel very good, very spry. I live in Cochrane and have lived in this town or village for the last 40 some years. I encountered or rather uh, was uh, diagnosed with cancer just about eight years ago and that up, uh, turned my life upside down. And uh, the things that have happened in treatment and uh, support have changed my life dramatically. And I can certainly talk about that uh, in, yeah. a little more, in a little more detail. But uh, maybe Joyce. A... Yeah, sorry, Joyce, go, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, Joyce could introduce herself. Okay, well, I'm Joyce, and um, I'm also 74 years old. Uh, Terry and I have been married for 52 years or something like or that. commonly known as too long <laughs> hey <laughs> anyhow we i can't i'm originally from edinburgh scotland and <clears throat> terry and i met in calgary in a bank where i worked mm-hmm. and uh we have two children a boy and a girl <gasps> almost 50 years old goodness me um and we have six, six grandchildren right starting um the eldest is 21 now and the youngest is about to be eight Mm -hmm. she was actually born on the bathroom floor on december 27th so she she ended our grandchildren run quite the splash (laughs) right if your youngest was born is now eight she i think you said a granddaughter the youngest granddaughter yeah she was born born around the time you were diagnosed terry Exactly, Paul. Um, I was diagnosed in November of 2013, and she was born on December the 27th, 2013. So uh, just uh, a month or so, month and a half. I recall going to see her and in the hospital hospital and just just newly being diagnosed with with, uh, stage four lung cancer, but still uh, very excited about this new baby, new granddaughter. Uh, I think I had just received, or had just, uh, yeah, I use the word received, a uh, first setting of uh, chemotherapy before. And so I was sort of feeling a little bit bodily different, I guess, or because of the, of the chemo that was, uh, I was taking. It was very, 
It was very strong chemo because of yeah. the aggressive cancer at that time. Yeah. Terry, can I ask you, uh, what, you know, as you were going to see, and Joyce as well, as you were going to meet your newest granddaughter for the first time, had you been advised at that point of what your prognosis might have been? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What, yes. What were you What were you told? Uh, we I was told that uh, if if I uh, accepted uh, chemotherapy, my life expectancy could be somewhere between uh, six months and 18 months. If I chose to do nothing, probably six months or, or less. Right. So it was a, for me, I'm an optimistic individual to begin with, but for me, the decision wasn't very difficult to make. I had okay. everything in the world to live for. Yeah. And I was just about to see my latest new grandchild and uh, I opted for chemotherapy, and we're we're here. We are, here. We are today. You are today. Yeah, she so, was a little ray of hope, you know. After yeah. you get that diagnosis, it's yeah. like, but life yeah. goes on. Yeah. So what? How come you were diagnosed? What was? Did you oh. did you cough up some blood, or did what happened that led to you being diagnosed? Yeah. What What happened, uh, Paul? Was we we had home from a from a European vacation about less than two weeks and I uh, was working at at my office and and uh, I got a cold came I came home and and uh, kind of was not feeling very well so I, I went to my family physician and said you know I, I I got this chest cold and of course we've known each other for some 35 to 40 years and he says oh Terry here's some antibiotics go home and take it and we'll see you uh, after the long weekend well i took the antibiotics they did nothing for me because i had this cough and this bit of a wheeze and so i went back to see him and told him that so he checked my chest and he said i can't hear any rattling so i don't quite understand it but get it here's a, get a chest x-ray so i went and got a chest x-ray following morning i was sitting in my office in downtown calgary and i had a phone call directly from my physician who said terry get off your ass close up your briefcase that's the words he said get to the foothills hospital emergency right now here's the doctor to see who will see you when you get there and and take it'll take care of you you have your lower left lung is full of fluid and we need to get you there right away, or uh, it, it could be collapse. It could collapse. Right. So I went. They were there. They took off over two liters of fluid from my lower left lung, and su subsequently biopsied it and came back and said it was cancerous. About a week later. About a week later. Yeah. And then I was uh, uh, then relegated to an oncologist, and that's when Dr. Gwyn Bebb met me and unfortunately gave me those words, you have stage four lung cancer and here's here are your options. Well, we, we were joking a bit about Gwen before we started recording. <laughs> yeah. He's a good friend of mine and you're certainly in, we're in really good hands oh. with uh, with him. He's, an, he's, he's, he's I miss him. Up, up there with the best. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And actually he's, uh, He's been a guest on the Lung Cancer Voices podcast as well, talking about re uh, research in lung cancer. And um, 
maybe maybe that's an appropriate point to ask you to fast forward in the story because from what I understand the, the chemotherapy worked for a while mm-hmm. and then uh, Dr. Beb was looking to enroll you in a in a clinical trial of immunotherapy but you needed some additional testing and and that changed the direction a bit yes i think i'll let joyce talk a bit about that because she's she has the dates better than than i do paul sorry (laughs) if that's okay yeah well so yeah gwen he came in and said well i've got some good news for you what's and terry says my cancer's cured. And he goes, nah, not that <laughs> not good. good. <laughs> not that good. <laughs> but he said, in testing, you know, the biopsy showed that you have the ALK mutation. Yeah. And so we're, we're going to do something completely different. There will be no clinical trial. And we're going to put you on TKI chrysotinib. Yeah. And so, so you, took a, you took a pill a day, yeah? Uh, yeah. Right. I took a pill a day. And that particular, sorry, Joyce, I'm just doing it. That particular pill, the chrysotinib, I took that for just under five years, Paul, uh, yeah. before the effectiveness, uh, before it lost its effectiveness uh, against the uh, growing tumors. Okay. I wonder if you could think back about, I can only imagine what you must have felt when Dr. Beb told you that the chemotherapy, that initial chemotherapy wasn't working anymore. Yeah and how you must have felt and the uncertainty at that point. And then maybe contrast that with then, then you take a pill a day for five years and you, yeah. what was, uh, is this a roller coaster of emotions or were you able to be pretty zen through all of this? Good question, Paul. I'd have to say that probably a bit of a roller coaster to this, uh, taking all this, particularly the, the, you know, was IV uh, chemo. And that I found that difficult. My veins were getting uh, kind of burnt, as they call it. And uh, it was just not a, a pleasant experience. And uh, so it, it was a welcomed quick change, I guess, at the end. It was a fairly quick change to... Yeah, but, you know, when Gwen said, well, the... the... The chemo's not working. I mean, it had yeah. worked for a, it worked for a for while. A while. Yeah. And then when we got the news that the tumors were starting to grow, despite, you know, the, the chemotherapy, yeah. um, you, you do, you're sort of, you know, there's, there's a bit of a pause in, in your hopefulness at that time. Yeah, is what, what's, what's next that might work or not work. Yeah. And, and because round about that time, Terry, that was, that was about two years into mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the six to 18 months yeah. that he had initially been told he would live. It already and, gone beyond. Yeah. He, he, he was about two uh, years yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. And so we were hopeful that, you know, this was working. This mm-hmm, was, this mm-hmm. was good news. This was, yeah. you know, and then to be told, well, no, it's not working anymore, but here's, here's what we can offer you. I think our home family sort of paused, held yeah. our breaths, you know, because uh, it's, well, yeah. and then, and, and then when we were told about the, the immunotherapy, of course, I had been a keyboard warrior. I had been, uh, you was. know, looking all this stuff up. And, and yeah. so it, it seemed kind of positive. And at the time, I don't think they knew that 
immunotherapy wasn't going to work for outpatients. Because... That, so that's right. So to some context of this, so you're, you're talking around like 2015 now, late 2015? That's it. Mm -hmm. It was 2015. And, yeah. and, and immunotherapy treatments, so the in, intravenous treatments that boost people's immune system to fight the cancer, they, were, they really hit the headlines that year. So mm -hmm. that you were, when Dr. Bev was thinking about immunotherapy for you, this was, you know, that's cutting edge lung mm -hmm. cancer medicine at the time yeah but and what we didn't know then was that um but we know quite well now is that immunotherapy is really good for so many people with lung cancer but if you've got the alk type it's pretty useless actually yeah, yeah. so the fact that the alk was found at that time one opened up this whole range of effective treatments for you that kept you well for so long but also spared you from going through a an ineffective yeah. treatment. Mm -hmm. Can I can I ask um, as you're going through that time in 2015, and maybe you you done it in 2013 as well, when when you get a diagnosis of stage four lung cancer initially, and this prognosis, which is not what you would have been imagining your life to be, mm -hmm. and then 2015 you get the setback with the chemo not working. Had you thought as a as a couple or with your broader family about what you wanted to do with your time or what you needed to do with your time were there certain priorities that you had that you thought whether whether they were sort of procedural getting your affairs mm -hmm. straightened up or or sort of bucket list items had you had you kind of gone through that kind of thinking and in part i did but probably for the most part to be tr truthful and uh, honest about it I'm just a bit too optimistic about things in life that this this was not going to set me back. And I know Joyce had different feelings, so I, mm. I won't speak to her. But I, I didn't take this so seriously, Paul, that, right. hey, this is maybe where my life might might even end. I didn't even think I never it never crossed my mind, Paul. And I'm being honest here that I'm going to die from cancer and it still hasn't crossed my mind. I'm still not, I am absolutely, I've got like, after this podcast, we're off doing things. We've got places to go <laughs> and things to do. I haven't got time to die, Paul. I've got things to, to, to go for, you know. Well, anyway, so people, uh, people should uh, know we're recording this just around Thanksgiving. So uh, <laughs> you, uh, you've, you, well, you've now had a bunch of Thanksgivings that you may not have had otherwise, though. Exactly. Oh, so many things. Yes. And that's, that's, uh, Thanks for reminding me of the Thanksgiving because every day when I get up, we, we have a, a gorgeous view of the mountains where we live. And every day I get up and I look out my bedroom window and I just thank God for that day because I'm, I'm given it, but I get on it. And away we go and we do something or I'm, I'm doing something. And I try not to, and, and I don't think much that much about what could have happened to me and what still can happen to me that may not have that may not happen to a lot of my family or friends that haven't been diagnosed with cancer and, and i'm aware of that but i don't let it eat at me right. and cons or consume me is the word i guess joyce did you i get a sense from what terry said there that you you maybe had a slightly different view back at those sort of critical moments in terms of what the future oh. might hold and mm. well I was looking at a future that was completely different from, you know, what we were, what we planned. Terry was 66 when he got his diagnosis. 
and he was kind of retired. Yeah, sort of yeah. retired. And we had started. Sort of. <laughs> I mean, Terry doesn't know how not to work, mm -hmm. but um, he was he was working on not working, and we, you know, started planning holidays and. And as I mentioned, I'm from Scotland and we, you know, we're going back. We've got good friends and family over there. And that just stopped. It, you know, it, in my mind, that was, and so, and one of the things that you have to do when you get that kind of news is um, we had a lot of financial things we had to take care of. And uh, I cried all over our financial advisor. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, I'm talking about being a widow and a poor man, you know, he just kind of let me cry. <laughs> and, and then we are part of a faith community and they were very, very supportive of us. I don't know how we'd have actually got through this at that time without their love and support. They would, they would drive us to or Terry to chemotherapy, I keep using us, but they drive Terry to chemotherapy in the middle of winter, which would have been an absolute horror for me to have driven in Calgary winters to get to, you know, the city to, cause we live outside of Calgary. So that was such a blessing. But I also remember sitting in the chapel, howling my head off. I, I don't think I've ever heard that kind of a noise come out of my mouth before. I was howling with grief. And um, my friends just sat with me until it was over. And yeah, it was difficult for us. Our eldest grandchild, who we've mentioned, uh, or, or, you know, is, it, with, she's just sat her MCATs. All she could think of was that her papa wasn't going to be there for her to graduate. He wouldn't be there for her graduation and I was and he was well, uh, grade 12 graduation. Yeah, the grade 12 graduation and I'm going to be there for going the to be there one, for the next one and and I'm going to be there and and the medical degree I, I plan <laughs> on it <laughs> so yeah the MCAT for people who don't know that MCAT medical college admission test yes yes so the exam people have to take to as yeah. part of the application process for med school so right. your eldest granddaughter wants to be a doctor is that do you think that's influenced by what you've gone through or was that her path anyway do you think i'm going to say it's part of a path she's she's taken but i think the fact i've had lung cancer and it's been you know diagnosed as terminal that has has definitely affected her if you talk to her about it oh she starts to cry yeah. well she does yeah she, she, yeah, she, she and her papa are very close. We're very close, yes. Yeah. So Terry and, and Joyce, I, I may have used this line before in the podcast, but it, it's something that resonates with me. One of my colleagues uh, taught me with this phrase that living is more than just not being dead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that, you know, you can have a, like you use the words terminal there, and, you know, often that, that can be interpreted different ways. You know, a terminal lung cancer in, in your case, I guess, is one that's ultimately not curable, but you are not terminally ill. You're not, you're not, to me, when I listen to you, you're not someone who's dying of lung cancer. You're someone who's living despite with, lung cancer. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. we, could you maybe share with us and people listening, you know, what are the joys that you've had in the last eight years that you, you wouldn't have had if, if, 
the crizotinib hadn't worked for so long mm -hmm. and, and the, the, the drugs hadn't kept it at bay. Right. Paul, there's many. Um, it's, hard to, it's hard to know where to start with all the joys and the thankfulness I've had and, and continue to receive. We have been uh, in the winter, some of the winter times, uh, winter months. months over the past eight years, we have spent some time in California in Palm Springs. We love it there, and uh, we're actually scheduled to go there again. I, me, me, it, here we are in the middle of COVID. Middle of COVID. <laughs> um, yeah, and and just the uh, the watching our grandchildren grow, yeah. the, their achievements. Uh, my eldest, the her name is Lakin. She's uh, her and I, as Joyce mentioned, have a a very special relationship that I have to be a bit careful with around the other kids so that they don't think, but I love them all dearly, all dearly. And uh, just- Watching the kids play hockey. Well, and just being able to live and be in our environment. And uh, for me, being near the mountains, for example, or, you know, and, and enjoying the outdoors, uh, uh, going out for dinner to some nice, Places is a is a uh, not right at the moment though. <laughs> Given COVID, <laughs> are things that we've done and I've, I've enjoyed and just being able to see our friends and family and my sister just lost her husband to cancer four months ago and she's she's going through all the things that that you know a lot of people have have gone through and go through in this and it's it, she is so so. Um, guarded of me because uh, we lost, I lost a brother a, a year and a half ago to cancer. And then we lose a, a brother-in-law and I'm sitting with eight years of, yeah. of cancer. Being, and my brother was diagnosed about six months before he died. And, and my brother-in-law something like three weeks before he died. It was that bad or that quick. So one of the good things so, about, about Terry still being here is that he's able to be here for his sister. Right. Um, and, yeah, and, actually, it's and true. Yeah. Look after her. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so there's there's a lot of a lot of blessings, a lot of great things. In, yeah, it's been great. You know, having a glass of wine with my neighbor and stuff. You know, just the little things. And the, you know. yeah, well, actually, you know what, Joyce, that yeah, was just as Terry was listing those things. It just struck me that you didn't say anything that you've achieved in the last eight years that's sort of crazy weird that you, you know, you've. Sailed around the world, or you've got you've got joy from watching your grandchildren grow, and from having right. a glass of wine yeah. with friends, and Absolutely. taking a trip, and and just seeing the yeah. mountains, and just the joy of everyday life. It, it's everyday really, life. Um, well, it's it's really quite heartwarming. Um, Joyce, what do you think? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, after my initial howling with grief um our, our our second eldest granddaughter she, she's a she's a little madam and she was just terrible you might she, listen to this by the way said, oh, she know she 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 had the terrible twos and and we learned quite quickly that when she was doing this you had to just leave her alone and our one memorable time we were coming back from disneyland and she threw an absolute fit in Los Angeles airport. airport. And so <laughs> we're sort of all standing, our families all standing around this little one on the ground, pitching her fit, 
trying to keep people from trampling over her or even going near her because we knew the fit was going to get worse. And finally, she, she sat down and then she looked up and she said, I okay now. And off she trotted. You know, the rest of us are in crisis, but she's okay now. <laughs> well, that's how I was probably about six months into Terry's diagnosis. I became only okay now. And I decided that, well, we'd had, we had to know more about what we were dealing with. And that's what I did. Uh, I, yeah. I found a community on Facebook for lung cancer. Well, it took probably actually, it took me about two years to find that group, by which time Terry had been diagnosed with, um, with the ALK mutation. And um, I learned a lot. I think knowing helped me deal with what we were going through. And just in the eight years that since Terry's been diagnosed, oh, well, we had to change our, our, uh, where we lived. When we, we, where we lived when Terry was diagnosed, we, we had five acres of land just outside of a small town with a nonstop view of the Rocky Mountains. And you had to, we planted about 300 trees. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a it lot was, of work. It was our life. But it, but um, it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. And so one of the things that we knew almost immediately was, hmm, Joyce never sat on that tractor, not once in the, how many years did we live there? <laughs> I didn't cut grass, Paul. And so we knew that we'd have to move and the change, that was a big change. We moved from five acres to a townhouse. Yeah. Still has a magnificent view. Yeah, thank so God for the view. That was, yeah. that was a big change, but you know, people said, would say to me, well, how did, how did, how was that for you? And I, and I thought, well, I okay now. We've got a marvelous view. We've got a, a, a you know wonderful house, and Terry gets to sit on the deck and watch other people cut his grass. What's <laughs> what's bad about that? <laughs> oh boy, you know so, um, this has been a uh, what an encouraging story on on so many levels. And I, just as you were just talking, I was just making some notes of things <clears throat> that we've sort of covered in not very long that. Um, I hope gave a whole lot of encouragement to people who are listening from the, the, the medical technical side of discovering through the testing that you had ALK lung cancer, mm -hmm. uh, which is only two or 3% of lung cancers and, and then being able to get on these oral medications, crizotinib mm -hmm. and electinib and, and have done so well with them. But then all of, to me, I, I just noting down all of these other things that you've said, which just encompass this, the optimism, like the, the support you've had from your community, from your family, from your church, mm -hmm. the optimism that you're just exuding, uh, that you seem to be people who live with joy and, um, yeah, we try. Yeah. And, and having knowledge about what you're facing and, um, I think I'm going to try and adopt it now into my own uh, life. Um, I okay now. I okay now. <laughs> Good one, Paul. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So you should thank your thank your granddaughter, your second granddaughter, for that, and yeah. <laughs> learn about your youngest granddaughter, who who has now lived to an age where she's going to remember you. She yes. will remember, yes. even yeah. if things don't go well. She's yeah. going to remember you now, and yeah. Um, oh, yeah. and and your eldest granddaughter. Um, 
you yep. can encourage her to come to Ottawa for medical school. <laughs> good, <laughs> okay. good, good, good. <laughs> Sounds like it, a plan. We, we, uh, I was just going to say, Paul, what, what, one, lasting, one lasting thing about uh, our, our son calls me, calls us every day to see how we are. And we're and, and just having the opportunity to yeah. talk to him, his dad every day yeah. and vice versa. What a blessing. That's, that's good. That's great. Blessing. That yep. seems like a great point to close up on this. The mm -hmm. how I'm thrilled for you both. It's really, really, um, really inspiring. What if if you were going to leave leave people listening with a last message um, that you've learned from your experience that other people might might find useful? What what would you each say? I I would say, Paul, never give up. Hope and never give up on your oncologist and the and the and the um, cancer research that is happening now, because it, your life is going to be made better, and and will continue to be made better, and you will live and enjoy life. That's, yeah. that's me. Just don't give up hope. There's yeah. lots of hope. There's lots of people working in the background. That's right. Researchers. Working well, hard to make yeah. sure that people you have like you, hope. Paul. People like you and all the rest out there are working hard for all of us. Well, it's, you know, it, I think you'll find that most of us um, take a real joy in our jobs because, you know, if we can make a difference in people's lives, it's, it's tremendously rewarding. Yeah. So I'll just, I'll just close by telling people who are listening that if there's anything you've heard from Joyce or Terry, um, that resonates with you and you you wanted to reach out either to your health team or to the Lung Cancer Canada website, it's lungcancercanada.ca, please do that. Um, and uh, please tune in for other episodes of Lung Cancer Voices or, or others that are, you can find on the website or from your favorite podcast provider. <laughs> and thank you to Lung Cancer Canada yeah, for what you do. Thank you, Paul. Thanks to our producer, Ryan Mullen, Please send us your feedback, like and follow us on Facebook at LungCan, on Twitter at LungCancer underscore Can, and on Instagram at LungCancerCanada. For more information about lung cancer or to donate, volunteer or share your story, visit our webpage at LungCancerCanada.ca.